the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth. It was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Monday morning. It is the eighth morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, Twenty. 23. Thank you so much for being here. Coming up on the program in a half an hour, we will talk with Congressman Jim Jordan, as we do each and every Monday, about a host of issues, including the end of Title 42 coming later this week. What will it mean and why are Democrats blaming Republicans for it? We'll talk about the shooting in Allen, Texas. And why is it that Democrats are blaming Republicans for it? We will talk about everything that this uh, country is dealing with right now. That is in crisis mode. The Democrats are blaming Republicans for it, despite Republicans literally providing the solutions that are not being adopted by the leadership in the left, in the Senate and in the White House. So Jim Jordan will join us to talk about that uh, coming up at uh, 935. And then uh, later on at 1110 today, we're going to talk with uh, John O'Connor and we're going to talk. And this is a big deal. Not enough, not enough people are talking about the, the, the whistleblower who came forward with Evidence, he says, very strong evidence that proves that Joe Biden, during his time as vice president, 
um, was receiving money or he was helping to make arrangements for his family to, to receive money in exchange for pushing certain policy positions. Uh, and that, of course, would include influencing his boss, Barack Obama, at the time. The information provided by that whistleblower raises very, very serious concerns that Biden was essentially engaged in a bribery scheme with a foreign national. We've been talking about this for a long time. Biden, by the way, yesterday did an interview with CBS and said he's super proud of his son and uh, that his son has done nothing wrong, nothing wrong whatsoever. As a matter of fact, he said his pride in his son is what helps guide his performance as president, which I guess explains the record low approval ratings that Biden now has since he has announced his official uh, candidacy for re-election. So we'll talk to John O'Connor about that. So I'm looking forward to those conversations. That is uh, that is all we have today is Jim Jordan and John O'Connor, which means plenty of time for you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Now, um, I want to share this because I find this to be more than just a little bit interesting. As a matter of fact, one might even call this a little bit disturbing. Dated May 3rd, this report about the investigation into the motive of the Nashville shooter, Audrey Hales, from back on March 27th. You remember, of course, in Nashville. Audrey Hale, the transgender who liked he-him pronouns, but who's a female, went into the Covenant School, a K-6 through Christian school, and slaughtered people, including children and and, uh, staffers and adults as well. Six people uh, were killed in total, others wounded. You know the story by now. So the date here is May 3rd when I tell you that, quote, Nashville police have backtracked on plans to release the so-called manifesto of the trans school shooter, Audrey Hale. The decision comes amid substantial public pressure to release documents believed to lay out the motive of the 28-year-old shooter who was killed inside the Covenant School to end the March 27th attack. By the way, did you know how she was killed? She was killed with a with a with a, with a gun. Yeah, that's that's right. Guns are the answer to stopping other people who have guns. But I digress. Due to pending litigation filed this week, the Metropolitan National Police Department has been advised by counsel to hold in abeyance the release of these records. What lawsuit are we talking about? Well, May 4th, we found out. The National Police Association and other groups are suing to make the writings and other materials of mass shooter Audrey Hales public in the month since the deadly Covenant school shooting. They filed a lawsuit against Nashville and Davidson County to make the manifesto public. Authorities have uh, held on to materials. Since the March 27th massacre, the Tennessee Firearms Association also filed an administrative appeal for the materials, the USA Today reported, and they are not being released. Now, why am I bringing this up after we just had another mass shooting in Allen, Texas, this weekend? Why are we talking about the one from March in in Nashville? Well, like I said, it's a little interesting Maybe rising to the, to the level of disturbing. I'm there. While they refuse to acknowledge the motive of the trans shooter of a Christian school, likely because they know what the motive of this trans shooter was at the Christian school, 
because they have seen the manifesto, and it's going to go very, very, very badly for the LGBTQ movement. It's going to go very, very badly for the trans movement. Once they find out what, or once the public finds out, they already have found out. They've seen it. That's why they're not releasing it. Once this goes public, it will be recorded eventually as a hate crime when, it, when we come to find out that she was targeting a Christian school because not only was it a softer target, remember, she had considered another school as well. She had other targets that she was planning on. Uh, but she chose this one first because it had less security, and she was right, it did. But also because it was Christian. And as we know, these Christians trying to tell people that boys are boys and girls are girls, and God made man in his image, and thus woman from man, and that's it. He made them the, the only two that there are. You know the drill. They refused to release the motive. Now let's fast forward to yesterday. Headline in the Austin American Statesman, authorities are looking into whether the gunman who killed eight people at a suburban Dallas outdoor mall showed an interest in white supremacy and neo-Nazi views. How about that? You've got a Hispanic shooter yesterday named Mauricio Garcia, identified as the gunman, who went went around, he had an AR, he had a handgun, he also had some body armor, and I believe other weapons in his car. But he goes around shooting people, and immediately, it's motive, 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 motive. What's the motive? Oh, he's a neo-Nazi. He's a white supremacist. So now we can re-engage in our attacks on white people being the greatest threat. White domestic terrorists, the greatest threat that this country faces. Headline, Wall Street Journal. Officials probe Texas mall shooters' possible link to white supremacy. Gunman used an AR-15 style rifle in the shooting spree outside of Dallas. Every headline is going to include the words white and AR-15 so they can go after two of their favorite targets, white people and AR-15s or what they call assault rifles or assault weapons or weapons of war that belong on a battlefield, not on American streets. It is Amazing to me how they can focus on the motive when it comes to, without even having any concrete information. They're releasing it, they're leaking it, they're talking to the press, and the press is dutifully running with it. White supremacy! White supremacy behind the shooting in Allen, Texas. Really? What happened in Nashville? We don't know yet. They haven't released the manifesto. Well, they haven't released a manifesto from this guy either, but you're already screaming that it might be white supremacy. Why aren't we talking about trans shooters? Why aren't we talking about attacking Christians in hate crimes? Why are we only talking about the ideology? Why are we only talking about the white supremacy or the neo-Nazism or any of these things? Why is why are, why are those the only times we're talking about motive? But when the motive might be something that is a blow to the narrative and to the agenda of the American left, not a word. You're going to have to sue us to get this out of us. And then how heavily redacted will the Audrey Hales manifesto actually be? You know they're going to block all of the stuff that makes her, her trans uh, identity 
look bad. They're going to block anything that might be a blow to the LGBTQ. We just want to be loved. We just want to be left alone, which is crap. If they wanted to be left alone, they wouldn't be scheduling pride marches. and They wouldn't be uh, forcing people to use different pronouns, screaming and cussing at them or attacking them physically for, quote, misgendering them. They don't want to be left alone. They want to be in your face. Why aren't we hearing about that shooter's motivation when the manifesto is in existence? And it's in authority's hands. Why can't we get that? You know why, and so do I. They will not publish that because it will fly in the face of the traditional narrative and of the agenda. But meanwhile, in Allen, who boy, we got us a good one now. He's a right, a white supremacist, and he's a neo-Nazi, and he wrote about those things or talked about those things. We got no problem making those public. Social media accounts and posts, as well as a patch on his chest that read RWDS, an acronym for the phrase right-wing death squad, which is popular among right-wing extremists and white supremacy groups, according to the Austin American Statesman, which is as much of a far-left rag as uh, anything that the Washington Post has ever been. Meanwhile, again, the guy is a Latino. Mauricio Garcia is a Latino, but we're focusing on the white part of his Hispanic nature. He's a white Hispanic, so therefore, white is going to be the story. Well, again, along with uh, with the guns, so it is um, it is it is starting to get just a little bit old to see the continuation of the agenda and the water carrying by the mainstream media of the American left. They're carrying the water for the left. At every turn, whether it be for Biden or for Hunter compared to Trump and what they would say if any of this had happened involving Donald Jr. or or Eric Trump, of when it comes to the guns, when it comes to these mass shootings, it is always carrying the water for the left. If the leftist organization is going to be harmed by the revelation of motive, we will bury motive. If the right will be harmed by the revelation of motive... We will trumpet from the rooftops. Motive. That's what we're up against, my friends. It's 921. We have a lot to get into this morning. Let's pause now and do our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please rise. Face your flag and uh, put your hand on your heart and join us for this pledge. If you are a believer in taking away American Second Amendment rights for the ongoing horrific decision-making by nut jobs throughout the United States, if you are in favor of taking away lawful American citizens' rights because of the unlawful actions of a few, then you don't get that flag anyway. You don't understand it, you don't respect it, and you certainly don't have to pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead take a knee over there next to that unemployed quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 922, we'll take a time out now. Always Right Radio welcomes you at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Right here, right back.
Okay, it's 928. Don't forget, we've got Congressman Jim Jordan coming up after the bottom of the hour. Very much looking forward to that. We're going to talk about Title 42 ending. We're going to talk about the Allen, Texas shooting and the continuing blame on Republicans for, for you know, still, with all of the mass shootings that have happened, not one single card-carrying member of the NRA has ever done it. Gun rights advocates are law-abiding advocates. Law-abiding advocates don't shoot their guns illegally. Law-abiding people and gun advocates follow the law. You know who doesn't follow the law? People commit crimes. You know who people commit crimes are? It's in the title. Criminals. They're the ones who don't follow the law. And yet somehow it's Republicans' fault that uh, that mass shootings keep happening. It's kind of interesting. And somehow it's Republicans and law-abiding American citizens of all political ideologies who have to surrender their guns to make the left happy because of the the lawless actions of just a few. So Title 42 ends, Dems blame Republicans for not passing comprehensive immigration reform. Allen, Texas, mass shooting, Dems blame Republicans for not banning guns. Debt limit fight, Dems blaming Republicans, saying they're the ones who are going to lead us into default. How about it? So we're going to talk about all that with Jim Jordan coming up here after the bottom of the hour. I welcome your calls after that at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Don't forget, Jim Jordan, and then our next guest is in until 1110, so we'll have a lot of time in the meat of the show today, right in the heart uh, of the show today for you to be heard. 216-901-0945. Save that number, and we'll be back after the break on AM 1420, The Answer. and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always write radio with Bob France on The Answer. 9.35, thanks for being with us on Always Write Radio. We're waiting for Congressman Jim Jordan to join us. He will be with us uh, momentarily as uh, we hope we uh, continue to discuss the issues that, that continue to plague the Biden administration and thus plague the United States of America. Did you see the numbers yet? The most recent numbers... For Joe Biden, they are horrific. As a matter of fact, they're the lowest of his presidency, and the best part about it is they come right after he announces his candidacy for re-election. It's almost as if people just said, we're waiting to see if he runs again. If he doesn't run, if he gets himself away from us, if he takes himself to the home and checks himself in and locks himself down and isn't going to hurt us anymore beyond the next year and a half, well, then we can, you know, we can give him a little check mark. But if he runs again, we got to tell the world. And sure enough, that's what happened as soon as he announced his 2024 campaign, uh, re-election campaign launch. His approval ratings began to slide lower than ever before. The, and, and these are not Fox News surveys or some other con, you know, uh, perceived right-wing surveys or anything of that nature. These are surveys, or this particular survey, survey is uh, Washington Post ABC News. In other words, water carriers for the Biden administration. And the Washington Post ABC News survey, despite their probable push polling found the president's approval rating fell six points between February and May, with a share of those who say they approve of the way Biden has handled his his uh, his job 
uh, dropping from 42 to 36%. 56% of respondents in the new poll disapprove of the job Joe Biden is doing. So it's the lowest it has ever been for him, and it's uh, and it happens after he announces his campaign for re-election. I'm told we do have Congressman Jim Jordan uh, there with us now on AM 1420, The Answer, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative. Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. How are you doing? Doing all right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so we got a lot of things here. Um, in, in, in the first three of them, congressmen are, are very, very similar because they are situations in which Republicans are not responsible, but Democrats are blaming them anyway. For example, <laughs> the, end, the end of Title 42, and I know you and I spoke about this last week, but now we're yeah. just about three days away as it happens on Thursday. And my goodness gracious, uh, the, the massive invasion we have already under, uh, we have already had to withstand, I guess I'll phrase it that way. Uh, is nothing compared to what is coming. And the Democrats continue to blame Republicans for the chaos and the humanitarian (laughs) crisis at the border, as they call it, because we won't pass comprehensive immigration reform. How do you respond to that? They had everything just two years ago. They had the House. They had the Senate. They had, uh, you know, they could have passed the bill and and put it there uh, uh, on, on President Biden's desk. They didn't do it. So, uh, don't don't start blaming. And everyone knows this this problem started with the Biden administration and has continued to get worse throughout the 28 months of his administration. Um, you know, no one believes it, but this is Kareem Jean-Pierre and the Biden White House saying what they always say. Yeah, they do. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't understand why this isn't resonating a little bit more with them. Again, can, I, I was just starting to talk about job approval ratings before you came on. I mean, the American people don't believe them. They don't believe them anymore. Right. One would think that they might want to start looking at the truth and finding out real solutions here other than saying uh, that border security relies upon comprehensive immigration reform. It does not. Comprehensive immigration reform is legalizing all of the, you know, 8, 9, 10, 15, 20 million illegals who are there now, maybe giving them a pathway to citizenship that's their idea yeah. of comprehensive immigration yeah. reform which has nothing to do with barriers and and border security and stopping our border from uh you know from being a yeah. sieve comprehensive immigration reform is their name for amnesty let's just be clear we are going to have we're going to have a bill on the floor this thursday which would which would secure the border and, and the strongest immigration enforcement legislation ever to pass the congress is, is what we're going to, because we know we spent 16 hours marking this bill up in, in, in the Judiciary Committee a couple weeks ago. That's going to be paired with the bill coming out of Homeland Security, which, which provides for more wall, more security cameras, those kind of things, so we can actually get control over the border and have real control over the border, not the fake control that Mr. Mayorkas keeps talking about. Yeah, and uh, and and that's a big that's a big factor here too. There have been many many calls for the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas as the Secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, any talk about that among leadership on the Republican side in the House? Yeah, there's talk. Uh, I mean, as I've said, I think he certainly warrants it. He has done a pathetic job. Know what he's intentionally doing this to our country. That's that's obvious. Anyone who could just look at the numbers, look at how it's happened. Um, but we're going to get, first get this bill through, through the House on, on this week, uh, on Thursday, the day that Title 42 ends. And then I think we'll, the, those discussions will pick up. But, uh, you know, I've said many times, Bob, this is a decision that we have to make as, as a full conference. Every Republican has to be, I think, on board with this in the House if we're going to go down this road. And then when you do, it starts – it really dominates – it just dominates the time, particularly in the Judiciary Committee, because you – we will do it in a, in a, in a, in a fair way. 
uh, with the right kind of due process, unlike what they did to President Trump. But even what they did to President Trump, I was a part of that, defending President Trump, mm-hmm. that consumed everything. So, um, you know, if you if we decide to go down this road, um, it's a big decision, and uh, it'll 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 dominate the Congress, dominate the House at the time we do it. So we're, that's something we're going to have to decide as a, as a full Congress. Yeah, and that is a tough thing to do because there are so many other things that do demand your attention. But, again, I keep looking at the images, and we're starting to get video now at the border, and we're starting to, uh, you know, even even get responses from Mayorkas talking about process uh, processing centers, migrant processing centers in Colombia yeah. and Guatemala and other places. He said will not be ready for weeks. So this is all going to land on our doorstep, literally within our doorstep. El Paso, my gosh, I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't, I feel so badly for the leadership down there in El Paso, Texas, because they are just literally blocks and blocks and blocks around their processing centers are just you know homeless camps now, essentially, or migrant camps waiting yep. to be taken yep. somewhere into the United States, uh, which, of course, the Democrats also blame us for, for actually taking them away from some of the communities on the border and, and sharing the pain with the rest of the country. No, it, it, it makes no sense. And, you know, we, we come back to this. But in the end, truly, it's, it's the terrible things that happen to people on the journey. Uh, that that are being frankly the, the 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 incentive for those terrible things is is really driven by Biden's policies by this administration's policies and the cartels see that oh we can get pe- people people want to come to this great country the cartels are making all kinds of money and all kinds of bad things happen to people and and, and many times children um, and we talked last week I think about the eighty five thousand kids the Biden administration doesn't know where they're at three hundred fifty some uh, thousand have come across the border eighty five thousand they've lost track of. So that that's that's the other the cost that I think is just so so wrong. Yeah, that that is impossible to 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 comprehend. Last question on this issue for now, Congressman Jordan. People talk about you know new amnesty law. We have to correct. We have to fix our amnesty laws. Um, what exactly can we do? How can you know? I mean, obviously, a welcoming country. We are we we want to help people who are in dire need and 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 you know literally in persecution and fear for their lives. But they're using that in such a way. Uh, that it that it makes a joke. All they have to do is come in and say yep. the word they've been taught in. The one word they can speak in English is amnesty. And oh, okay, then you get you get released in the catch and release program. How can we reform our amnesty laws uh, here? And, and I'm talking to one of the chief lawmakers. Maybe yeah. Well, what, what what we've done, and it, you're right, is we, we say in our bill. Now, our, like I say, I think our bill is going to pass this Thursday, um, and then we'll see what happens in the Senate. But our bill says right. when you come to the border, you you. You can come to our country, to the border, and apply for asylum, but then you're either detained or you are sent back to your to Mexico, and we're going to evaluate your claim. Now, there's an incentive for us to, to actually get focused on evaluating the real asylum claims and let people who are legitimate come in the country. That's our law. That's, what, that's how it's supposed to work. But what they're doing right now is you come, you say, you say asylum, you come, you come to the country, you get released anywhere you want to go, anywhere across this country. So that's the problem. We're, we're, we're actually going to just focus on the central cause, the root cause, and say, look, you can come apply. That's our law. But we're either going to hold you, detain you, or we're going to send you back. And then once you, if, you, if you qualify, God bless you. Come on in. We want to welcome you to the greatest country ever. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, let's talk about what happened in Allen, Texas, another terrible mass shooting. This is a rinse-repeat yeah. cycle that we are on. 
uh, this, a terrible shooting happens, and then immediately Democrats blame Republicans. It's your fault. It's my fault. It's any Republican who doesn't support uh, confiscating the weapons from law-abiding American citizens in response to yeah. acts committed by non-law-abiding people, uh, whether they be citizens or not. Uh, but that's what they're doing here. They're screaming again that this is our fault and we have to get quote unquote assault weapons, uh, off of the streets. Um, I, I hate to ask you the same question. It seems like every week yeah. there's a new mass shooting. I ask you the question, but Congressman, how do you respond? No, it's, this is terrible. Um, it's evil and this guy was an evil individual, obviously. Um, but the answer is, as you just said, is not to, not to, uh, diminish the rights we have under the Second Amendment, under our Constitution. Um, the answer is not that. The, the, the answer is, um, you know, it's many times it's cultural. Many times it's it's a breakdown in the family. It's it just a host of things. Um, and then also, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's in other areas that you know these DAs who aren't putting putting the the, the 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 bad guys away. I don't think that was the case in this situation. I haven't seen all the details yet, but. That the answer is not to go restricting people's Second Amendment liberties. The other element to this, because the narrative changes depending on who does the, the terrible yeah. crime, uh, the other, ele- other element of this that needs to be discussed is race. This gentleman is Marci- Mauricio Garcia. He is a Hispanic. And it seems as though whenever a Hispanic is the victim uh, or an African-American is the victim of a crime, it's, oh, my gosh, another attack on a person of color. When a Hispanic like Mauricio Garcia commits the crime, he's white. And that is literally what the story now says. Texas mall shooters possible links to white supremacy and neo-Nazi groups. How much of a role does the race race of people play when it comes to these you know this this rinse repeat cycle of on of uh of uh mass shootings well well yeah i mean you know it's 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 about it's about a bad guy it's about an evil person i don't i don't know i don't i don't focus on you know uh, their 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 race i focus on the fact that they did something evil so um and then but the press like does. You say, but, the press does, and, they, oh, the and, press and, always, and thus they make the American people that read and finally get their news from the press. They make them focus on the race. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I look, but uh, you're right about the press because because we still can't find uh, the the background information on this individual in uh, uh, in in Tennessee who did the terrible the terrible uh, shooting there in Tennessee a month or so ago down the Nashville area. Uh, they they won't talk about that. Uh, we we kind of like to know what was going on there, but of course, any any time it, it fits the narrative of the left, they're gonna they're gonna talk about the individual's background. It's ridiculous. It's just part of the left uh, trying to, I think, in many ways, divide the country. Divide, we should focus on, yeah, we should focus on the fact that evil people do evil things, and that's who we got to stop. Um, and I, I think, in some ways, comes back to this this broader issue uh, of these DAs, these left wing DAs who are soft on crime. We can't we can't allow that to happen either. Yeah, no, you nailed it. You said it right before I did. I was going to say they're trying to divide the country, and I literally opened my show this morning with a comparison of the burying of the uh, the uh, manifesto of the Nashville shooter Audrey Hales because it may come out and challenge the agenda oh, okay. because she is a trans shooter, a chant trans person, and uh, and attacked a Christian school. Uh, yep. We're burying the motivation, burying the mo- the, the uh, manifesto. But when it comes to this situation, it's like immediately, what's the motivation? White supremacy, and it's so divisive, yeah. and that's a problem. It's so. Uh, so, so let's get to number three. The debt ceiling is uh, is obviously we're we're approaching crunch time here. Joe Biden has gone back and forth it seems between saying I'll sit down and I'll negotiate to we don't have to negotiate. This is on the Republicans. They cannot lead us into <laughs> default. Once again, they blame Republicans if we default on this country's debts. Where do we stand? 
Well, I think there's a meeting tomorrow in the White House. So uh, Speaker McCarthy will be there with, uh, with you know, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat leader, and, and the president, and then, of course, the leaders in the Senate, uh, Mr. McConnell and Mr. Schumer. So uh, we'll see. But this is, as many people said, it's largely between Speaker McCarthy and, and, and President Biden. And right now, Joe Biden is like, oh, you know, he's basically saying, I'm going to take my football and go home, do it my way. And, and yeah. we're like, no, that's not how that's not how it works. Um, in fact, we've put together a bill that would actually begin to address the out of control debt we have. But Joe Biden's attitude is I, I've had record spending. I've had record inflation, which has created record debt. Let me keep doing the same thing. And we're like, no, they elected us into a majority in the House to stop some of this craziness. So uh, and this is this is this is the issue right now, the debt ceiling. So start negotiating with the speaker and let's see what we can get. I haven't heard anybody ask asking or answering this question. So I'm going to see if you can do this. Um, Bring it to Main Street. Bring it home. If we default, if we don't reach a deal and increase the debt ceiling and we go into default, how does this affect, you know, mom and pop in uh, in 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 every town USA? Well, I think I think the, the the big picture would be people start to doubt the the dollar, the United States. You know, what is it now? It's already. I think I heard from uh, some of the folks on the Financial Services Committee who understand this stuff much better than I do that um, used to be 85% of international transactions were, were conducted. You know, particularly when you think about energy transactions and others were conducted in, in the dollar. Now I think it's down to like 69%, 60-some percent. So it's already. The, the, the dollar, you want the dollar to be the, the, the currency of exchange and international trade. And when, when, so if there would be something like this, and again, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't want that to happen in the way that a default issue. Um, but that's when it starts to get, I, I think, serious about the, the dollar being the key currency in the world. Um, we want it to remain so. That's, that's good for the United States. It's good for the American people. It's good for our country. And that, I think, is one of the big concerns. Congressman, last issue for you, and thank you for that response, by the way. Uh, you and I don't talk about the cultural wars a ton. The cultural wars are enormously important in this country, but we're always focused on on financial matters, economic matters, and crime and so forth. But I want to ask you about this. In Oklahoma, Governor Kevin Stitt there last week vetoed a bill that would have funded operations of their PBS station, which is Oklahoma Educational mm-hmm. Television Authority, in large part yeah. because of the sexualized content in the indoctrina- indoctrination shows they show kids including promoting drag queens, the hips on the drag queen go swish, 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 uh, books being read to kids by some something called Little Miss Hot Mess. Uh, they do all kinds of ads for and a promotion of gender care treatments like puberty blockers. And Kevin Stitch said, enough. We're not going to pay for yeah. this with tax dollars to indoctrinate yeah, kids. Well, you, you answered my question by saying God bless him. Hey, I was going to ask you, should 49 other governors do the same? <laughs> yeah, and the federal government should do the same. For goodness sake, it's- you know, like this is, but we should be paid for public broadcasting. And and I always get I always get frustrated too with the uh, with the uh, uh, the left. They always say, "Oh, Republicans are starting the culture wars." No, we're not. You guys no. are. We're for, we're for common sense. We're for normal. But that, that we talked to that line, that great line uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders had: "The divide in America today is between is is crazy versus normal." We're for normal. You're the ones who said we should start paying for these kind of shows on PBS. You're the ones who said that we should teach this kind of stuff to kids. You're the ones who said boys should compete against girls in sports. We didn't say that. We're just for normal, for goodness sake. But the left, oh, and then they turn around and accuse us of engaging in culture wars. You started them, for goodness sake. We just want to stick with common sense.
Yeah, completely agree. And I don't remember when was the last time we had uh, all, the entire government Republican president and both uh, both chambers uh, of 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 the, of yeah. the legislature. Because yeah, I, I want to know, and I want to know when the next time that happens. Because I, this needs to be done. You know, we talk yeah. about this all the time. Well, if the Democrats want to yeah. do this or that, you know, you had full control of the government. Well, next time Republicans have control of the government, if we do not at a federal, at the federal level, defund PBS and make them go on their own like every other broadcaster and broadcast network, then I think we're doing it wrong because our tax dollars should not be propping up this kind of trash. No kidding. No kidding. I, 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 I totally agree. And God bless uh, Governor Stitt down there in Oklahoma for doing the right thing. Amen to that. Congressman Jordan, thank you for your time this week. And always, sir, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, brother. Uh, that's, that's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 953. Let's take a time out. And we are clear now for the next hour plus. We're going to have another guest coming on at 10, to, or excuse me, 1110 this morning. So for the next hour plus, it's yours, 216-901-0945, A lot of work to be done. Let's do it together on AM 1420, The Answer. WoundedWarriorProject.org Okay, it's 9.57, Always Right Radio. That last story that I just discussed with uh, Jim Jordan, you know, I, you talk about common sense, and common sense approaches and so forth. Uh, what is more common sensible than taking funding away from broadcast organizations, broadcast companies that are trying to indoctrinate your children with dangerous, deviant lifestyles. That's what they are. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt is responding to critics after he vetoed last week a bill that would have funded their PBS station in Oklahoma through 2026. He accused the station of indoctrinating young children, saying, quote, OETA, that's the Oklahoma Educational Television Authority, is an outdated system. You know, the big, big question is, why are we spending taxpayer dollars to prop up or compete with private sector and run television stations? And then when you go through all of the programming that's happening and the indoctrination and overt sexualization of our children, it's just really problematic and it doesn't line up with Oklahoma values, he said. Unless the legislature is able to override his veto... The state PBS network will cease operations this year. Shows on the network include Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and Clifford the Big Red Dog. Now, some of those things, by the way, are okay. And how do we know this? Well, for example, because Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is, 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 is unable to be corrupted by modern indoctrination. <clears throat> And gender theory and gender ideology and so forth, because Mr. Rogers has passed away. Now, unless they're hosting new versions of it with the new Mr. Rogers, which they may be, I don't know. I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Okay, minutes after 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420. The answer. Wow. Uh, great conversation with Jim Jordan. A lot of ground 
to cover there. A lot of grist for the mill. I want to share some audio with you this hour, too, in addition to opening the lines up to you. Uh, our next guest isn't until 1110, so uh, join me at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Should we encourage, push, pressure the Ohio State Legislature, the General Assembly, the governor, to do what uh, what the governor of Oklahoma just did and defunded PBS in their state, because I got to tell you, I, I the more I read stories like this, the more inspired I am, and the more frustrated I, frustrated I am too, because other states have good governors. We have Mike DeWine. It's very very frustrating. Kevin Stitt did this, knowing he's going to take heat, and he's taking the heat, and he's doing it anyway because it's the right thing. I told I told Jim Jordan about some of this. Uh, and I'll hit, hit you with it again here, too. The governor's office provided examples of PBS content that is inappropriate for kids, including a segment of Let's Learn in which a children's book entitled The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, Swish, Swish is read by a drag queen called Little Miss Hot Mess. The PBS NewsHour feature on parent support for various gender, on, uh, on parent support for ger- Excuse me, let me read the sentence again so I don't trip over it. The governor's office also pointed to a PBS NewsHour feature on parent support for various gender care treatments, including puberty blockers, a gay character in Work It Out Wombats, which airs on OETA, PBS Kids Clifford the Big Red Dog introduces new LGBTQ characters, a plethora of Pride Month programming on OETA, a special about a town of Christians and drag queens who step in the spotlight to dismantle stereotypes, and a same-sex wedding featured on PBS's Kids' Odd Squad. While critics have pushed back against the notion that these programs help indoctrinate kids, yeah, why do you think they're playing them, critics? I would love to talk to one of those critics. Why do you think they're airing these on kids' programming on PBS? It's, if it's not to indoctrinate them, then why? Simple entertainment? If it was simple entertainment, why are they insisting on sexualizing the characters and talking to the children about what sex these kids are, or these characters are attracted to? Or what, what odd um, identities that they, they, they want to take on? Why are they putting drag queens on PBS for children if it's not to indoctrinate? What, are you kidding me? When you think about educating little kids, the governor said, let's teach them to read and their numbers and counting and letters and all those kinds of things. I mean, some of the programming we're seeing just doesn't need to be on public television. Completely agree. And if they do want to put it on public television, let CBS air it. Let NBC or ABC or any other for-profit television broadcast company do it that doesn't require uh, taxpayer dollars. Oklahoma taxpayers are going, hey, hang on, time out for a second. That's not my values, the governor said. I'm just tired of using taxpayer dollars for someone else's agenda. I represent the taxpayers. He's exactly right. Should we do that in Ohio? Like I said, I get a little frustrated. I get a little frustrated with the leadership in Ohio. The conservatives in Ohio don't do enough conserving. They don't do enough to, um, uh, to fight for what is right for Ohioans. Let's put it that way. And, of course, the biggest, um, example of that is still before us. We talked about this at length last week, and now we are just two days away from a deadline. Talking about conservatives and whether or not they're going to fight for 
conservative values, fight for the right to life, fight for that which they were sent to Columbus to fight for, are they going to do it? And, of course, you know I speak most specifically of the Gang of 22. Might as well call it 23, considering Kale Manning was just too cowardly to show up to vote on that day. It's probably a Gang of 23, but nonetheless, um, this Republican-dominated uh, supermajority in the House cannot seem to get its act together to push forward on an August special election so that we can raise the threshold to amend the Ohio Constitution to 60%, just in time for the November election in which the ballot initiative to uh, enshrine abortion and trans treatment, we'll call it that, it's not gender-affirming, it's trans treatment for kids without parental input or, or, or permission uh, that will be on that ballot and all enshrined into the Ohio Constitution. So... I have in front of me, which was sent to me by the chair of the uh, Republican Party of Cuyahoga County, a message from Ohio Right to Life. I want to share it with you. Because this is exactly what I'm talking about when I say, you know, I'm jealous of other states that have true conservative leadership at the legislative level and at the executive level, as Oklahoma just proved. But here in Ohio, we have to do this. Quote, we support a current legislative measure allowing all Ohioans the right to practice democracy and vote in a special election on August 2020, uh, in August of 2023. Ohio Right to Life respectfully asks the Ohio House of Representatives to trust the voters, allow us to debate the issue in the public square, and cast our ballot during a special election this August. It is so important to protect our state constitution from radical out-of-state special interest groups who continually attempt to circumvent the will of the people and buy their way into our sacred constitution. Next Wednesday, May 10th, that's two days from now if you're scoring at home, the Ohio House of Representatives will call a vote to hold an August election for Ohioans to vote to protect their constitution. The vote by the Ohio House of Representatives must take place, and the measure must be voted on by May 10th. Make no mistake, the fate of countless lives are on the line. Therefore, it is incumbent on all of us to encourage our pro-life legislators, letting them know we fully support them as they do the right thing. Vote yes on a 60% constitutional amendment with an August 2023 election. Please email these state representatives today and respectfully ask for their support for all Ohioans born and unborn. And it's got a list of some of the individuals uh, that are the most um, at risk, if you will, of doing the right thing. And it starts, of course, with Cuyahoga County's own Tom Patton. It continues with Mike Loichik, Gail, pa- Gail Pavlaga, Jamie Callender, Adam Holmes, Jay Edwards, Horace Gambari, Jeff LeRae, Don Jones, Brett Hilliard, Jason Stevens, the Speaker, Sarah Fowler Arthur, which I'm a little surprised to see her name on this list, Sharon Ray, which I'm not surprised, Scott Oslager, and John Cross. And, of course, I have all of their email addresses here, which I cannot read to you on the radio. It does no good. You need to look those things up for yourself. But in all seriousness, that's what it comes down to. We, we did our jobs, or at least we thought we did. Right? When it came time to protect life in the state of Ohio, we did our jobs. We elected a conservative majority in both the House and the Senate in the Ohio General Assembly. We elected 
conservatives, or at least Republicans, in the uh, statewide offices. The Attorney General, the Secretary of State, the Lieutenant Governor, the Governor. We thought we did our jobs. Now the question is, is will they do theirs? We didn't even just give them majorities in the General Assembly. We gave them super majorities, which means if Mike DeWine is going to go full dim, which he often does, um, they can override him. He can't stop them from pushing through on our true conservative majority uh, and conservative supermajority, I should say, agenda. But then we gave it all away. And I don't want to beat that dead horse any longer, but you understand what happened when they gave Jason Stevens the gavel and the Democrats suddenly had a seat at the table and now are influencing enough Republicans who are not really Republicans. We're going to continue to call them what I believe they are, trans-Dems. They are transitioning into Democrats before our very eyes. They're acting like it. They're living like it. Even though they may be actually still be Republicans, they're acting like Democrats. And so the question becomes, um, can we convince them to at least act like Republicans when it comes to saving babies' lives? Or are they going to... In other words, who is with whom do, do your alliances... Let me rephrase. With whom do your uh, um, values rest? Do they rest with the innocent lives of babies and with children who are confused and who should not be given, quote-unquote, gender-affirming care if it involves ruining their bodies for the rest of their lives with chemical castration, sterilization, and radical surgeries? Or do your loyalties lie with life, with kids? I may have I may have butchered the way I said that. My point being between the lives of unborn babies, the bodies of existing children, or with Democrats who want to take all of the above away. So I think you understand the point. You know the people that you need to talk to. The question is, is are you going to do any talking to them? I got a message really briefly here before a timeout here. I got a message from um, a concerned Medina voter. Um, and I want to see if I can share this real quick. Yeah, a concerned Medina voter who says to me, and her name is on that list that I just read for you, Sharon Ray needs to be put on blast. Total hypocrite. I don't believe she's in the 59 to sign to bring this to a vote. I don't know if the screenshot I received is credible, but the person who sent it to me believes it was. You have a huge audience in Medina County. Maybe putting her on blast and encouraging your your Medina County audience to let her know what we think is a good idea. I do know months ago her telling me she's concerned how low turnout in August could ruin the chance of it passing. So I'm going to say this in response to that, and thank you to the concerned Medina voter. Yes, Medina residents, anybody that's in her district, anybody that's in Sharon Ray's district. And in fact, even if you're outside of any of the districts of these individuals, send messages to all of them or pick up the phone and call their offices, blow up their machines, blow up their uh, their voicemails, their emails, of course, saying that figuratively, and tell them all to do what needs to be done here. And yes, that would include Sharon Ray from Medina. Um, the reality is, Sharon Ray, whether it's Sharon Ray or any one of the uh, the others of these people, need to be told that their political career is on the line. That's what we need to tell them. 
This isn't just a matter of, you know, hey, it would be great if you could do this, but we aren't. No, if you don't help us get that special election, your career is over. You're done. We will never vote for you. We'll never give you another nickel for your campaign. We will make sure to primary you out of any race that you enter, and you're done. That's what has to happen. And I will tell you this right now. I'll make it my mission to do exactly that. With whatever influence I may or may not have, I will tell you this. I will use every inch of it to try to get these people run out of Columbus if they don't, allow, if they don't make this happen on by Wednesday. And as far as the other part of that that says there's a concern that uh, it may not pass because we may have low voter turnout in August. Not a chance. Not a chance. There will be low voter turnout, but there will be far more voters who know exactly what is at stake come November who will come out to vote. You better believe that. There is a movement, there is a mission, there is an agenda in the pro-life movement, in the conservative movement, not only in the state, but from out of state as well. If the left is going to take in all of this money from out of state to try to uh, change the Ohio Constitution, well, then you better believe that there's going to be money flowing in from conservative pro-life groups who are going to do everything they can to help us save the Constitution and, more importantly, save the lives of tens of thousands of babies every year in the state of Ohio which are all going to be in jeopardy if this thing goes through. If we don't have the special election in August and they do have the ballot initiative on with a 50% threshold in November, all is lost in this regard. So thank you to Ohio Right to Life for sending this. I appreciate this. Thank you to Lisa who forwarded it to me. Uh, and I will second the emotion. Message all of these people. Pat and Moichik, Pavlika, Callender, Holmes, Edwards, Gambari, LeRae, Jones, Hillier, Stevens, Arthur, Ray, Olslager, and Cross, and let them know what has to happen if they want to continue, if they want to have any future whatsoever in Ohio politics. I'll be right back. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. I kind of teased this before, and I didn't didn't follow through. I like to deliver whenever I tease things like this, so... uh, uh, allow me uh, to do exactly that now. Um, when I was talking about that PBS story, I was talking about some of the some of the uh, uh, new woke content on PBS. PBS, of course, is where we all watched and kids continue to watch Mr. Rogers. I don't know if this one is still airing anymore on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. If they still, does anybody know? If is there a new Mr. Rogers? I mean, obviously, my kids are grown. Um, I have not seen a PBS program guide in a long, 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 long time. It's animated what, Josh? Daniel Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Okay. In the in the article that I was sharing with you before about Oklahoma, <clears throat> it says the PBS network will cease operations this year. Shows on the network include Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and Clifford the Bigger Dog. So Mr. Rogers is not being played in syndication reruns. Is that what you're saying? It sounds like it sounds like it was replaced by a different kind of neighborhood, which of course is, you know, to be expected, I suppose, after years and years, there are certain things that are going to be dated for kids. But at any rate, if they were still airing Mr. Rogers doing these kinds of things, I'd be okay with tax dollars supporting everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine, your body's fancy, and so is mine. Boys are boys from the beginning, 
If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is mine. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is. Can you dig it? I legitimately don't know. I legitimately don't know uh, why it gets cut off there before he gets mine out at the end. The recording of that video just got chopped right at the end, but I think we all got the gist. If that was still what PBS was all about, I might be able to change my mind on defunding PBS. But considering they're doing just the opposite and telling little kids that their bodies are not fine, that their bodies are not fancy, that their bodies are supposed to be different, well, then we have a problem, Houston. All right, uh, 1030, right back after this on Always Right Radio. Enlightening the sleeping masking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob Prance on The Answer. Let's go back now to Allen, Texas, and let's talk a little bit more about the latest mass shooting. And beyond that, let's go to another location and talk about another one of the most recent mass shootings and why it is that we are getting different coverage. I'm not talking about Nashville. We did that in the top of the show, first segment of the show. We talked about Nashville. But I want to know why it is that this this Allen, Texas shooting involving a Hispanic shooter named Mauricio Gar- Garcia, whose person of color status is waived when he's the killer. <clears throat> he's now just white, and moreover, he's a white supremacist. If he was a victim, it would be another person of color murdered. That's the way this goes in the United States these days. When the left wing controls the entire narrative from the mainstream media through social media, that's how this turns out, right? That's the reality. If a person of color is the shooter, the person of color's color is completely different than it is if they're the victim. Mauricio Garcia is a Hispanic male. But his Hispanic heritage is covered up by headlines all over the place saying white supremacy, white supremacist, had visited white supremacist websites, maybe even have some kind of a bizarre recording on his cell phone. I've got that story in front of me, which we'll talk about in a moment. 
But when it comes to the um, the terrible shooting, the mass shooting in Alabama, just a couple of weeks back at a Sweet 16 birthday party, no one spent any time focusing on the shooters. Nobody spent any, any time focusing on the guns either. Why do you think that is? You shouldn't have to think very hard on it because you know the answer. Because then you would have to focus on the number one cause of death for African Americans or persons of color, which is death at the hands of other African Americans or persons of color. A sixth suspect was was arrested in that deadly Alabama Sweet 16 shooting. All of them African American. All of their victors victims were African Americans as well. This is black on black crime, and this is not allowed to be discussed. This isn't a, this isn't something that is that is supposed to be acknowledged much less discussed. You have to pretend it doesn't happen. You have to pretend it's not real. You think I'm kidding about that? I'll give you an example. And it's not just black-on-black crime that you have to pretend is not real, it, it, that, it, that it doesn't really happen. Um, it's it's black-on-white crime. When there's interracial violence, including homicides, you are not allowed to talk about the fact that the overwhelming number, over 84% of attackers are black or persons of color and the victims are white, less than 15% of the time is it the other way around, where the attacker is white and the, and the, the, the victim is a person of color or specifically African American. And if you say that out loud, you're in trouble. One an example, like I said, I have a very, very perfect example of this. Elon Musk, the owner of Twitter, Elon Musk, tweeted something that immediately drew the attackers, the left-wing attackers, to call him a racist. He tweeted the facts, the facts that I just shared with you. Those numbers are very, very easily provable, easily findable, easily definable. But that's that's what they did. Elon Musk tweeted. Let me let me let me pull this out here. A graph um, of interracial violent crime incidents since 2018, and he tweet, retweeted it actually. And and his caption said, "Odd. Why would the media represent the real situation to such an extreme degree?" And on the graph, it shows. That when it comes to interracial violent crime, now we all know, and I've said this before, intraracial violent crimes are far more prevalent than interracial violent crimes. Intra means within your own race. In other words, more white people kill white people than anybody else. And more black people kill more black people than anybody else. People generally commit crimes um, around people that they live near or associate with. And simply by racial demographics, that's the reality of it. But that's intra-racial crime. When it comes to interracial crime, here are the numbers. Since 2018, and this is according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, 547,948 violent crimes committed by blacks against whites. 112,000 committed black on Hispanics. 
207,000 committed by white people on Hispanics, just 59,000 white on black. Oh, and you know what? I left I left two other categories out. My apologies. 365,299 Hispanic crimes against whites, violent crimes. 44,551 Hispanic crimes on blacks. So if you look at this graph that I'm looking at, it's like a, you know, it's a it's a bar graph. In this very 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 small little short bar, you see white on black violent crimes of 59,778. In this extraordinarily large and longer red bar, you will you would see 365,000 Hispanic violent acts against whites, and then in this much 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 longer and 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 larger blue bar on this bar graph, you would see the 547,948 black against white violent crimes. So Elon Musk tweeted this and asked the question, why would the media misrepresent the real situation to such an extreme degree? The response he got to that from the left was, you're a racist. That's literally what the response was. I'm looking at the Twitter feed right now. You're a racist. Racist much? If you tell the truth about racial crimes... You are therefore a racist because they don't look good for persons of color when it comes to the demographics of violent crimes committed in this country. That's just a fact. So now let's go back to the point that I was making. In uh, Dadeville, Alabama, there was a horrific mass shooting that included six suspects, six of them, Shooting up a black teen birthday party in a black-on-black crime, the left wanted nothing to do with this. Who can they point the finger of blame at? Who can they, 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 they can't let you know this happened. This story appeared and disappeared in a 24-hour news cycle. You don't know anybody. You didn't even know that's the city of Dadeville, Alabama. You knew about Nashville, Tennessee. You know about Allen, Texas. You know about um, uh, 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 Uvalde School. You know about Parkland. You know about so many. You never heard of the Dadeville, Alabama one because it's black on black and no one's allowed to talk about that because that's taboo. So the shooter's motive, shooter's multiple in that case motive, irrelevant. The shooters in Al- shooter in Allen, Texas, very relevant. We need to know what white, white, supremacy groups was he visiting what to whom there or what white groups did he belong with um what websites did he visit what what other things has he said and done that indicate that he is a white supremacist neo-nazi and how did white supremacist neo-nazis get their hands on ar-15s these weapons of war they will go all over weapon and shooter and motive and race in this case they will not talk about any of the above in alabama because that would shine a spotlight on something that is the true killer of people of color in this country and it's taboo to say it that it is other people of color in this country the new york post also reporting on the allen texas shooter mauricio garcia saying that he reportedly recorded a bizarre message on his cell phone answering machine, his voicemail, I guess is what they're trying to say here, informing his provider that he paid his bill 
asking his parents for cash and telling female callers he has plenty of money. That was his greeting. Um, Hi, this is Mauricio. If you're the phone company, I sent you the money. If you're my parents, please send me money. If you're my financial aid institution, you didn't lend me enough money. If you're a friend, you owe me money. And if you're a female, don't worry, I have plenty of money. End quote. So they're trying to dig inside this guy's mind. They're trying to dig inside his personality, trying to dig inside his mindset, because they want a motive. And they want a motive, and they want it to be clear-cut that he hates uh, um, people of color, that he's a neo-Nazi, even though he himself is a Hispanic male, that he's a white supremacist. They're doing everything they can to dig inside his motive. But why didn't they ask about what the motive was at the birthday party in Dadeville, Alabama? Why do they not want to know the motive, even though they have it, because they have the manifesto of Audrey Hales, the trans uh, shooter who killed those people in the Christian school in Tennessee? It's very, very bizarre how they decide who gets, um, exp- uh, how do I want to say that, whose motive is revealed and whose are not. If they feel like the motive is going to make a particular marginalized group, otherwise known as a protected class, if they feel like that motive is going to make that marginalized group or protected class look bad, they will bury it. If they feel like the motive will make the majority class, whites, white males, if if it makes them look bad, they can't get the motive fast enough. Now, somebody tell me how that helps this country come together. Somebody tell me whether or not, and this is a very, very fair question. I talked about it with Jim Jordan briefly this morning, but but it's a very, very fair question. Why is the mainstream media colluding with social media and social media influencers and social media platforms to divide this country along every single line that they can? Racial lines, sexual lines, sexual identification, obviously political. Why? There's no answer to that question. There is no answer to that question. I'm looking at some of the victims, by the way. We don't have all of the names listed in Allen, Texas yet of the victims, but I am kind of curious. I see a picture of two individuals. One looks like a Latina female. The other one looks like a white male. And we'll have to wait and see about the rest of them, because one very important question to be asked here as we try to dissect this entire situation and the uh, horrific uh, imbalance, if you will, in terms of the media scrutiny of these things. Um, If he is truly a white supremacist, if he truly is a neo-Nazi, if he visited uh, white supremacy websites and had a tattoo of a white supremacist uh, organization or something of that nature, this Hispanic male, then why? Would he shoot white people also? These are all very fair questions. All right, 216 Stop being so shy. I want to hear your thoughts on this one today. Always Ray Radio, right back. <clears throat> up America's Lumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Texas State Senator Jose Menendez 
picking up the mantle for the radical left, telling everybody that is a law-abiding gun owner in the United States of America that you shouldn't have that gun, even though you don't break any laws with it, because other people that do, especially if they're big, scary guns. And so the issue, the very real issue, is that we have to take some common-sense approach to gun control legislation. And, and, if, and I agree, we have to help people with mental health. We have to make our, our, our nation healthier. We're not doing enough. But we also have to do something about what's actually killing the people, and that is these guns, these high-powered guns. I mean, there's a reason we don't allow people to have grenades and bazookas, and and these are weapons of war, and I believe these AR-15 high-capacity rifles are also weapons that belong in the theater of war. That's because you're an idiot. Okay, let's just be straight here. Texas Senator Jose Menendez is just one of the radical leftists who think that guns jump up out of holsters or jump up off of tables or off of gun racks and start firing at people indiscriminately. You heard him. I almost interrupted it. I wanted to let the rest of the clip play. We're not doing enough, but we also have to do something about what's actually killing the people. and that We have to do something about what's actually killing the people. The guns, he says. The guns are not killing the people. The people are killing the people. The gun is a tool. A tool that can be used for good, or it's a tool that can be used for bad. And guess what? In this particular case in Allen, Texas, it was used for both. The bad guy used it for evil purposes. A good guy came along with a gun and killed him and stopped him. For good purposes. So how can you blame the weapon? It makes no sense whatsoever. It didn't make any more sense when uh, Mehdi Hassan on MSNBC repeated the ridiculous line. We're the only country in the world where the number of civilian guns is higher than the number of civilians living in that country. So when you recognize the undeniable reality that it's the guns, then you can also recognize that one group of people the Republican Party, and their backers over at the NRA and Fox. One group of people is responsible, politically and morally, for these ongoing gun massacres. Except for the fact, of course, that NRA members never commit gun massacres. Not one. Not one. Yet they continue to blame the people who aren't killing for killings. The ongoing killing of our kids. Let's stop saying Congress must act and start saying the Republican Party must act. Let's stop treating the GOP as the party of law and order and treat them more accurately as the party of gun violence, of school shootings, of more massacres. And let's work to ban assault weapons right now. For God's sake, ban the damn AR-15. And that's because you're an idiot. Much like the Texas State Senator that I quoted a moment ago. Only an idiot would say that this crazy number of killings in America is the result of the AR-15, considering the fact that the overwhelming number of deaths by gun in the United States is committed by handguns. And guess what else? This is a dirty little secret that nobody's allowed to mention when we're talking about guns and we're talking about gun control and we're talking about the number of gun deaths in America. The majority of those deaths with handguns that I just referenced are suicides, not homicides. 
But somebody takes their own life with a, with a handgun, it goes into the statistical ledger as a check, gun death, gun, a gun, a gun uh, uh, killing. That's what they do. They add that to the list of people killed by guns, even if it's not harming other people. So number one, handguns, far and away, far and away, the weapon of choice for killers in this country, not AR-15s. You ban the AR-15, you do nothing about gun deaths in America. And then number two, it should be pointed out that when it comes to rifles of all types, including the vaunted deadly weapons of war that belong in a war theater, along with grenades and, and, and bombs, all rifles, including the quote-unquote assault rifles, don't add up to the number of people who are killed every year by fists and feet. People are beaten to death more often than they're killed by a rifle. People are kicked to death more often than they are uh, killed by a rifle. Personal weapons, hands and feet, responsible for far more deaths every year than rifles, including Allen, Texas, and the AR-15 used there, and any other place where they have been used. And oh, by the way, it should also be pointed out that the AR-15 is used as a defensive weapon in more cases than you will ever know, because the media will never show those to you. If they don't have headlines that make Republicans and conservatives look bad, if they don't have headlines that make the Second Amendment look bad, then they don't use those headlines. But the AR-15 as a home defense weapon is has been used in more than the media would ever want you to know. That's why it's not a weapon of war, it's a weapon of defense. And it is necessary, especially if somebody else does bring war to your doorstep. And I'm not talking about world wars, I'm talking about home invaders, oftentimes multiple in number and oftentimes with multiple weapons, and you shouldn't be relegated to a six-shooter in the hopes that you get them all. It's 1059. Actually, coming up on 11 o'clock, on the other side, we are going to shift gears just a little bit and talk about crime in a different way. The crime committed in the Biden crime family. That's right. We're going to talk to John O'Connor coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France. On AM 1420, the answer. Nine minutes after 11 o'clock, and hour number three is underway. Thanks for being with us. It's eight minutes, or excuse me, it is the eighth morning of the fifth month in the year of our Lord 2023. So, there's a big press conference that's coming on Wednesday. 
House Oversight Committee Chairman uh, James Comer is going to be speaking. He is uh, uh, joined by Senate Budget Committee Ranking Member and Whistleblower Advocate Chuck Grassley from Iowa. James Comer, of course, is from Kentucky, and they are going to demand, and they already are demanding, <clears throat> but they're going to hold a very important press conference to talk about what they learned from a whistleblower. Uh, but they're demanding an FBI, that the FBI produce an unclassified record alleging a criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Joe Biden and a foreign national. The document is an FBI-generated form detailing an arrangement between, or involving, rather, an exchange of money for policy decisions. This is what we've been talking about now for the last several years, about selling access to the Obama White House. How else can you explain Hunter Biden? who doesn't speak Ukrainian, who doesn't speak Chinese, who is not fluent in energy, yet somehow found his way on energy boards in both Ukraine and China. And amazingly enough, individuals from those countries being granted access to his father, Joe Biden, in the Obama White House. It's something that we have talked about, we have danced around for some time, and now, finally, some pieces to the puzzle are being put together, and that is what Wednesday's press conference is supposed to be all about. They subpoenaed the FBI for this information. We'll see what they learned uh, coming up on Wednesday. And joining us now to make a little bit of sense out of it and give us more detail is John O'Connor. John is an author, author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. That is exactly what it is, by the way. He also served as an assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California, representing the United States in criminal and civil cases. He joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. How are you, John? Uh, good morning, Bob. Just fine. So this is big, uh, and it's not getting, in my opinion, anywhere near the coverage it should be. Late last week, after the uh, first um, uh, acknowledgement of this was made by uh, by Comer and by Grassley, um, there was a little bit of noise made, and then it just simply disappeared, and nobody wants to talk about the alleged bribery scheme involving uh, Joe Biden and some of his family members. What more can you tell us? Well, you just put your finger on it. Uh, here, when we learn about... An affair. This is years ago in 2016 when we learn about a one-night stand that uh, Donald Trump allegedly had with some uh, porn star. That occupied the airwaves at CNN and MSNBC for, for, for how many months, and it's still going on. All right, so uh, now I'm not saying that's a wonderful thing Trump did, but it, look, look at all the airtime it got. Now here we have a person who was vice president of the United States and was point person on Ukraine and um, China and others uh, during that time, and now as president, and we have very credible whistleblower claims of direct proof of corruption. Yet the press is not covering it. The media is not covering this as they should. And that is the real problem in our democracy when you can't get these things uh, to, to, to come alive. And the reason it's important is this, Bob. The FBI is going to um, object to any subpoena, and they'll say, well, it's an ongoing criminal investigation, or should I say non-investigation, but it, 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 it involves criminal investigation, let's put it that way, and they'll just say, no, we don't give these things out, it's confidential, we can't just we can't go and give this, this stuff to Congress just because they want it. Um, I think it's going to be a tough road to hoe for them to get it. Now, what should happen and what people should be yelling about is this is credible evidence that should lead 
to the appointment of a special counsel. It's under the Department of Justice guidelines. Anytime there's credible evidence uh, that there might be a criminal matter that involves uh, you know, a, a, a person within the zone of conflict, in this case, the president certainly is. He's the boss of the attorney general. There's certainly he, the, 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 the Justice Department cannot uh, investigate him with, in an unbiased fashion. It should ha- there should be a special counsel. But who is yelling for a special counsel? I mean, this happened in Watergate and every other scandal where the press, uh, at least when a Republican is involved, they'll yell and scream and people will succumb to political pressure. So we're in a democracy. We need political pressure. Kudos to the Congress for trying to elevate this. I hope they keep at it. But unless there's an outcry from the media, I don't think anything's going to happen, Bob. We are talking no, no, and, and you know the media is never going to give that outcry, uh, John, because uh, what you, you know the the last part of the title of your book, uh, Postgate: How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, whom you represented, of course, covered up Watergate and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. The media doesn't practice authentic journalism anymore. That is uh, that is some, one thing we know. But John, um, I want to go back. We're talking to John O'Connor. If you just turned us on. Go back to the word credible. You said we have credible um, uh, information being provided by the whistleblower. How do we determine credibility of a whistleblower before that individual is um, is made public and before the evidence that he or she has to present is made public? Because I know that what the left is going to do automatically here is just discredit and discount the uh, uh, the whistleblower, just like they did uh, with the Biden laptop. Ah, oh, it's all a bunch of made-up hooey. Well... Well, first of all, the, the, the whistleblower claims, and I don't know his or her position, but I would assume that because of his or her position, the uh, he, he, I'll say he, he would be in a position to know. And so that right there would, would say, okay, he's in a position to know. He likely had a job uh, requiring some level of, trust and responsibility in other words he's 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 sort of been vetted he's not just a guy coming out of coming from outer space he 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 is a person uh, likely of um responsibility of of great fiduciary responsibility and he he claims knowledge direct knowledge of a of a certain document so that's enough that's enough to start an investigation uh, far, far, they had far less when they started Russiagate, for example. I mean, what did they have? They had some flimsy rumors. But this is really pretty good stuff because it's direct knowledge. I mean, it, it basically is, um, they're pointing obviously to an FBI report that in turn, FBI reports, which I've read many, will sum up these things. They'll have all their witnesses that they have. That, that document is likely an FBI report. The FBI report will be written in a way that is credible. Uh, oftentimes, FBI reports like that uh, are the basis for an indictment. Not not that you give the FBI report to the to the grand jury, but you basically repeat it orally from the witness stand. One of the agents does, and that usually is what gets you an indictment. So, FBI reports themselves are very credible documents and written to be credible. This fellow is a person who knows about that document and is a position and is a position to know. So. There's no doubt that something should be done here. Something is amiss. And if that document spells out corruption, listen, it's all about 
some basically Biden and his group just standing firm and uh, are standing silent and just hoping the the hullabaloo dies down, the little hullabaloo there is. And I'm afraid that may work. Well, sure, it, it, it will work if if we don't try to make enough noise, and if a special counsel counsel is not appointed, as you just said, John, why not just let the FBI do the investigation under its current leadership? Uh, Chuck Grassley, uh, James Comer, they kind of say we can't trust this FBI. Do you uh, you would agree with that? I assume. Well, I have a trouble with that because I'm a big fan of the FBI, but I can't trust the leadership of the FBI uh, because it it was recruited by Comey back when, and, and everyone has not been extirpated that is a, a rank partisan. There's a whole bunch of them, and we saw that as Russiagate came out. There are all kinds of people that have been elevated there that you can't trust. The agents themselves you can trust. The real problem is, though, is that they are always by uh, controlled by the Justice Department. In other words, you need a federal prosecutor. I used to do it. You need a federal prosecutor, whether they're in the main Justice Department, as we call it, or the U.S. Attorney's Office, which is in, which are branches of the Department of Justice. They actually control the criminal investigation, and the FBI are their investigators. So it's not that there's no one I would trust in the Justice Department. Most, uh, most of the career people, again, are fine people. Mm-hmm. Most of them are Democrats, but I don't think they're dishonest people. Um, and... Uh, but, but, but the problem is at the very top of the chain is a fellow who is protecting the president and his aides are protecting the president, his top aides. I think the very top part of the FBI, I think uh, Christopher Ray and others know that they're not long for this world if they um, do anything against the president. Uh, there's too much um, there's too much jeopardy for them uh, in terms of losing their jobs. What civil servants have learned is, you can sort of, to use a, an expression, blow off the uh, Republicans. They don't really take any action against you. The ones you want to fear are the Democrats. They will take action if you do something to them. So I think uh, Christopher Ray is probably wants to survive. He's staying alive. He's not going to get involved in this. Uh, he's going to take the standard position that no, no one can look at our our. Uh, files while we're engaged in criminal investigation. It just is a no-no. Uh, what if he were investigating c- Congress? Can Congress uh, then demand all his proof? So uh, this this battle has been going on for a while. Uh, it w- went on during Watergate. What, what, what does the Justice Department give to another branch of government? And so I, in, in a way, I'm sympathetic to them not giving up this document. That's the sad thing about it. As much as I'd like to see the document out there, I understand the whole need for a process that, in a certain sense, can be, if, if it's done right, done confidentially. Now, here's the problem. What this whole thing uh, points to is there should be a special counsel. There's not a, now, now, that special counsel can then select his own FBI agents and vet them and make sure he's getting good guys. But that's what we need. We need somebody to supplant the Justice Department, which is protecting Biden. Why hasn't it come out yet? Because the Justice Department is protecting of the president. This thing should have been roaring long ago, but understandably, uh, it's it's the president who's being um, targeted here. So yeah. um, th- this requires people like you who have a voice, and a lot of people hear you, Bob, uh, to really keep this up. And thank you for doing it. Well, no, and thank you for coming on and, and, and covering this the way you do and writing about it in books like your most recent, which we'll talk about again in a second. But 
But John O'Connor, I um, I I look at the statement by Grassley. We believe the FBI possesses an unclassified internal document, one singular document that would, of course, is being referred to here by the whistleblower. And I just think to myself, if this is something that could bring down a presidency. How do we even know that document hasn't already been shredded? I, I I know I'm probably being very naive here, and I know there are steps to you know to make sure that things are protected and that there is backup and redundancy and so forth. But I look at what Hillary Clinton did with you know thousands and thousands of pages of emails, and then when it came to okay, now we got to get rid of the digital footprint, so you, you use the bleach bit and so on and so forth. If this document could bring down a president, the way we're talking about here, literally, I mean, how do we know that it's even going to be protected? Well, it won't be destroyed because I think everyone realizes there's criminal jeopardy for that. If I'm an FBI agent, I destroy that document. I've obstructed justice. Uh, so, the, the, and, and there are going to be electronic copies. There are going to be digital copies of it. So I think the document will stay in existence. It's not going to go away. Uh, and unlike Hillary Clinton, people are not just that, usually not that uh, brash about their criminal activities. Uh mm-hmm. She knows how to get away with things. You gotta, you gotta hand it to her. She knows her, she knows her turf. Um, and you know the things she's done are just in, incredible, starting way back in, in Whitewater times, uh, Whitewatergate times. Right. So this is this is a good this is a good person of uh, uh, who knows how to be corrupt. But so that document will be around now. It could be rather than it being a full scale report, it could be what they call a three hundred two. It could be a witness interview. Uh, which in which a person with first-hand knowledge talks about the corrupt scheme. It also could be, like I say, what they call a 302. So it can either be a, a an FBI, what they call a report, which is a broader document uh, that will put all the evidence in one spot, or it's a 302, which is the interview of a witness with knowledge. So it's either one of those things. And... Uh, both of them will be tremendously, tremendously probative if they ever see the light of day. Um, John O'Connor is our guest. His uh, most recent book is from 2019. It's Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. And that's kind of how we started our conversation. The media is not covering this. They're not giving any attention, far more attention, as you say, to the Stormy Daniels situation than they have this one. And this one could literally uh, tie the uh, Biden family, the entire Biden criminal regime, if you will, in my estimation, to a bribery scheme with foreign agents. And you said you're a fan of the FBI, and I get that, and I am too, as a body, but that you are very skeptical of the people in charge, and I am too. Is Christopher Wray the biggest mistake that President Trump ever made? Well, it's a mistake because Christopher Wray is one of those unique uh, characters, at least unique to Washington. There are plenty of them in Washington, like James Comey and people like that who will talk a good game and will seem like a down-the-line, honest person. But in fact, they've got one eye cocked toward the Democratic Party because that's, again, the party that is more explicit about demanding uh, uh, compliance with their directives. Uh, The Republicans just want somebody who's straight and does their job. So as long as you look act like a straight guy, then you're okay with the Republicans, but you better convince the Democrats uh, that you're on their side. So Christopher Ray is 
yes, it's a, he's a mistake, and that's one of the problems. Trump really doesn't understand the, the swamp. He doesn't like the swamp, didn't like the swamp, but he doesn't understand it. And, and you know, Rod Rosenstein's another one. How did he become the top aide to Jeff Sessions? Well, once again, he's one of those swamp creatures that everybody thinks, oh, he's a straight guy. Well, he's not a straight guy. He's, he's, um, he acts like a straight guy. There's a big difference there. Uh, Rosenstein is nominally a Republican, and look at him. When, when time came, he folded like an accordion to James Comey and Andrew McCabe and wanted to wear wire and listen to Donald Trump. And he's a Republican because he understands the way of survival in Washington. And Christopher's raised one is one of those people. He's a perfectly capable guy, sounds good, and so forth and so on. These guys understand their politics. Uh, so, uh, and, and people in Washington are not dumb people. They're all, <laughs> they're all people who understand how to survive there. And it's very easy to survive as long as you know that. If you're a Republican, you don't have to go out of your way to please the ultra conservatives. All you have to do is look, act like you're straight. And that's all they want. And they don't demand specific compliance with their directives. You better, you better though, watch out on the other side. And that's where the knives are going to come out, and that's where you're going to get protective uh, flack uh, covering you as well. And Christopher Ray understands that, and that's what he's taking advantage of now. That's uh, that's great analysis. Uh, John O'Connor, our guest. John, I really appreciate you making noise about this. I hope you continue to do so. We'll do, the, we'll do what we can from our resources here. But, uh, but this is extraordinarily important that the media actually pay attention to this. John O'Connor, legal analyst, author, former U.S. attorney, attorney for Deep Throat. Again, get his uh, most recent book, which is Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. John, thank you for the time today. Take care, Bob. All right, you too, sir. 1127, we'll take our time out here and come back after the bottom of the hour on Always Right Radio. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz and The Answer. Okay, 11.36. You know, it's kind of fun. It's not kind of funny. It's very funny. It's hilarious, actually. <clears throat> I was just talking to John O'Connor, who wrote a book, again, the uh, last part of the title is about the partisan uh, media uh, that, that, that was born in the Watergate era and is now, of course, flourishing. They carry the water for the American left like nothing has ever been seen before, right? Everything Joe Biden does is defended. Everything that Donald Trump did was attacked. Everything that Barack Obama did was 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 uh, defended. Everything that George Bush did was attacked. It's been this way for a very very long time, and we could even go back to Reagan. But Joe Biden's approval ratings, despite the media kissing his ancient, wrinkled, eighty-year-old butt on a re- regular, routine basis. His approval ratings are still at an all-time low now that he has announced he is running for re-election. His approval ratings have cratered, according to the Washington Post, left-wing, Biden-supportive, ABC News, <laughs> left-wing, Biden-supportive. His approval ratings are down from 42 to 36%. 56% of those polled disapprove of the job he's done. Moreover... When asked about the economy, 54% of the respondents in this Washington Post 
ABC News poll, 54% of them say Donald Trump handled the economy better. 36% said Joe Biden do, uh, handles it better. So the, the news is terrible for Joe Biden, despite the media's efforts to kiss his royal rear end. And I bring that up only so that I can share this with you. When he did his little sit-down with MSNBC yesterday, he talked about, or not yesterday, I beg your pardon, this was from Friday, um, Joe Biden talked about how unfavorable the media has been, how unfair the coverage has been. You're talking about real practical solutions Absolutely. when you re- reference insulin that, that, that you've come up with. Why do you think you don't get more credit for it? Why do you think your polling is where it is? Well, I don't think, people, by the way, every major one who won re-election, their polling numbers were mine are now. Put polling aside no, then, right? Yeah, Sentiment so. in this but, country. No, they're not. No, they're not. You are among the most, the least popular presidents running for re-election ever at this stage of the game. But continue. Despite all these wins, it's not very good. I think all they've heard is... So, listen, listen to Stephanie Rule, a, a member of that media even in asking him about the media, kisses his rear end, like the media does. Despite all these wins, despite your awesomeness and your amazing accomplishments, why don't you get enough credit? I mean, listen to the way she frames this whole thing. Mine are now. Put polling aside then, right? Sentiment in this country, despite all these wins, is not very good. I think all they've heard is negative news for three years. Everything is negative. I'm not being critical of the press. Sometimes I just can't, man. Sometimes I just can't. All they've heard is negative for the last three years. All you've delivered is negative in the last three years. And the media gave you passes for it. The media never talks about the border unless it's Fox News or now Newsmax or conservative talk radio. The media gave you a pass on it. The media gave you a pass on inflation. The media gave you a pass on violent crime, on the rise. The media has given you a pass on the weakest, wokest military. The media has given you a pass on everything. They won't even point out the fact that your quote-unquote Inflation Reduction Act increases inflation. The media has kissed your dementia-addled butt for three years, well, really for 50 years in government, and you're blaming the media for your anemic approval rating? I don't think, Pete, by the way, every major one who won re-election, their polling numbers were mine are now. Put polling aside then, right? Sentiment in this country, despite all these wins, is not very good. I think all they've heard is negative news for three years. Everything is negative. I'm not being critical of the press, but you turn on the television, the only way you're going to get a hit is if there's something negative. You, you know, you don't. Anyway, that's number one. But number. <laughs> you know, I mean, the guy goes to Ireland, doesn't know where he is. And, and, and if it happens to be on camera and it goes out, the people see that the guy doesn't know where he is. That's not the media not kissing your butt. That's not the media not carrying your water. That's just you happen to be a public figure, and sometimes things you do and say are heard. You're just, you know, in the most important office, in the most important country, in the entirety of the world, you might actually get some attention for the things that you do. And despite the media's best attempts to sanitize, to whitewash all, 
of your unbelievable failures, people notice them anyway. It's not because the media or because the the press. It's not because they've reported bad news. You want to look at bad news reporting? Donald J. Trump, president for four years. They literally studied this. 97% of the articles written about Donald Trump or the news reports filed about Donald Trump in his four years in the White House were negative. Not 57, where it's a pretty strong majority, 57% to 43% negative to positive. Nope. Not 67 nor 77. Not even 8713. 97% of the articles written about or broadcast reports filed about Donald J. Trump were negative. They were slanted against him. And you want to talk about approval. And oh, by the way, and then in his run for re-election in 2020, what happens? COVID happens. COVID happens, and all of government is, is sent into a tizzy. So, so despite 97% negative press against Donald Trump and COVID, he still, in my estimation, he still beat your A. He still won despite that. You're you're facing an unknown candidate now. It's probably going to be Donald Trump. We don't know for sure, but it's probably going to be Donald Trump to emerge from the Republican primaries against Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and who else is it? Asa Hutchinson and uh, anybody else who, who, who chooses to jump into that pool. But yeah, it's probably going to be Donald Trump. But you're going into an unknown, into a race against an unknown candidate and your approval rating is lower than Trump's and he had 97% negative news about him. Your approval rating is anemic because this country is an absolute quagmire. You are in negative territory in your approval rating because you promised to and are delivering on that promise to destroy the American economy by destroying. You literally said this. You know it. I know it. Everybody else knows it. You literally promised to destroy the fossil fuel industry, killing energy for American citizens. And yes, believe it or not, American businesses, American manufacturers, American corporations. You've done all of this in two and a half years, and they have kissed your butt anyway, and that's why you're in negative territory. That's why 56% disapprove, only 36% approve. You're underwater 20 points, not because the media doesn't tell the truth about you, but because you're an awful, awful, awful politician. That's where we're leaving. Thank you to my guests, John O'Connor, Jim Jordan. Thank you to my team. Today it's Josh and Marianne and Marcy. And thanks to you for being here. We'll see you tomorrow on AM 1420, The Answer. Be well, be safe. Bye-bye. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.